I don't update until my phone starts acting weird. Or like Mine's my been battery acting starts weird. fading yeah. hard, you know, whatever that may or be. Or like the screen goes black enough, you're like, exactly. it's time, yeah. it's time. Welcome to week 15 of the Game Theory and Money Podcast. Nearly made it through an entire season. So again, a big thank you to all of you that have subscribed, downloaded, streamed, shared the podcast as we work our way toward the playoffs. Cynthia Freeland on my left shoulder, if I were describing a formation. I am Matt Money-Smith. She is the reason we're here because her advanced degrees in predictive analytics uh, help us look at 10,000 computer simulations that she runs. These are exclusive to her. She uses information that she gleans from folks throughout the week, plugs in some variables, and it spits out what should happen on any given week. And this time of year, Cynthia, it also spits out what the playoff picture ought to look like. And that means your Twitter feed is awfully active with a lot of folks that are upset <laughs> uh, or excited that their team is or is not making the playoffs, right? Oh, absolutely. I love the people who have an over 90% chance of making the playoffs that get mad at me. Okay, you want to uh, call some folks out? You want to get just real quick before we get into the <laughs> AFC playoff picture? Any particular fan base coming at you particularly hard this week? Dear Minnesota Vikings fans, 99.9% means you're going to the playoffs. That's love what they're upset about. Cynthia. Yes, they're mad at me that it's not 100. You know, I have a theory on that, uh, <laughs> since this is game theory and money, and, and that is that the NFC is so wide open that it is very hard for us to figure, you know, we've got we've leaned Eagles, and now that Carson Wentz is hurt, we're kind of shifting. Oh, maybe it's the Panthers because that defense is playing well. Meanwhile, the Vikings are the number one seed, and they're awfully upset. That, yeah, that, they're that so mad at me. more people aren't suggesting that they are going to walk into a Super Bowl and play the first home Super Bowl in NFL history. I mean, I, it, it kind of baffles me. I kind of like it because I like that they're, like, happy and, you know, gotta, something's got to keep you would warm love when to you're see up the in Vikings Minnesota. The it's freezing. Yeah. I mean, it would be fantastic I to would have too. a whole Super Bowl. It'd Absolutely. be ridiculous. So, and, we, and I feel like we've said so many nice things about the. You know what we've done, though? What? Here's what we've done. And when I say we, I mean the collective media. We've celebrated the return of Aaron Rodgers. We have. And what it will likely mean and the fact that they play the Vikings still. I think they're getting a little – and it's understandable. Every – you uh, being from Detroit, I am originally from Chicago. Everybody that has an NFC North affiliation knows what Aaron Rodgers does to people. Scares them. Yes, scares the bejesus out of them. So it's understandable the Vikings fans are on edge knowing that it just so timed out perfectly – that Rodgers is ready to come back, maybe win the final three games, get into the playoffs as a wild card team, and wreck everybody. And I would also like to point out that technically, both the, not the Bears, but both the Lions and the Packers could technically still take the division. It's very unlikely. Very unlikely. But it is still technically possible, whereas it's not for the Eagles right, or so listen, things we'll, like that. We'll table that. Yes. All right, and we'll get to the NFC in a minute. It. Meanwhile, let's start with your AFC playoff odds and we'll do important games. We'll just kind of keep this conference yep. by conference. Gave you a little preview of the NFC there because of our timelines. But now let's focus <laughs> uh, on the AFC and what teams look like with three games left to play. They're going to be in the postseason. So the model actually spits out the first three teams that are the same as the current seed. So the Steelers, who have clinched, the Patriots, who are very likely to clinch, and the Jags, who are 98.2% chance to make the playoffs. They actually have you know a 65% chance of winning their division, but that's it's between them and Eyeball the Titans. Eyeball test, watching the Titans, they've got a 100% chance 
of clinching their division. The Titans uh, are next in that list. That that's the right. one team that I we we talked about it last week, and I think we were you know kind of proven right. And I don't know if they're going to win this game. On I don't think they're going to win against San Francisco. Marcus Mariota does not look right. That team is more and more banged up. Spoiler alert. You're already picking your game. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I jumped, and I just saw no, that they good. were next on the list at 76%. Totally and I just fine. feel like next week that thing's going to be chopped in half. You're right. You know, it, you have to remember, at this time of year, with three games left, you have some teams who have clinched, so that's like 100% that division is clinched. And then you have something, someone like the Titans where they're, part of their chances to make the playoffs are inflated because they can still win their division. So there always has to be a division winner. That's like 100% of the 600% that gets into the playoffs. And then you have to remember that will sort itself out as we get closer closer to the end of the season as more teams clinch the math will sort itself out so then we have the chargers in that number the first kind of technically wild card seed because we haven't figured out the division for the afc south yet but chargers tend to in the model win the division most often chances of earning a trip to the playoffs 67 percent and then the ravens after that yeah and you uh again those two teams the chargers and the chiefs and you're going to get to the chiefs who are just yep. right there at that seven spot one of those two teams is going to have their playoff odds altered dramatically. Dramatically. After, because it, it, at least in the Chargers case, when you look at the, the wild card, and we mentioned this last week, um, because it is likely to default to conference record, that's where the Chargers just get crushed, having yep. lost to the Jags, lost to the, you know, they lost two games in the division to the, uh, to the uh, Chiefs and the Broncos. There's two. They lost to the Jaguars, three. They lost to the... Uh, Chiefs four, and I don't know what I'm getting at. They got five losses is what I'm right. saying. Oh, the Dolphins is the one right. I forgot. So they've lost five games in conference, and that's going to bite them in a tiebreaker. It is. So they got to win the division, it, it looks like, uh, or a whole lot of things have to start happening. But how about that little number for the Chargers at 5.5% Super Bowl? Yep. And that's likely a product of them arguably being the best team over the last four weeks and a sort of a recency bias projection. We'll get into that when we talk about the matchup with Kansas City. Okay. And it's it's not as much a recency pro, uh, projection. Like, it's not what I, what you've seen. It's a trend that's become valid enough mathematically. It's happened over four games. You've seen these trends grow over the season. It's not like, you know, remember when we got mad at Jacksonville for having all those sacks in, like, two games? Well, we're, this is actually kind of the opposite of that. It's a growing trend that has increased every single week in a meaningfully meaningful way and it's now like showing itself in the Super Bowl odds because you have a great defense you have more stability on offense you've had these things that improve that are all correlated with success so that's why the Super Bowl odds went up to 5.5 percent and you could be working all the way to January oh right? how about oh geez <laughs> February oh February uh, right. the Bills still at 28.9 percent a big one for them and the Dolphins as a matter of fact they're right there at the bottom just before we move on to the individual games but the fact they have a head-to-head basically an elimination game in Buffalo this week for those two. And again, that works just again to the the Ravens and the Chargers. You're talking about two teams that have tiebreakers. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how this is. There are going to be serious tiebreakers that go into the wild card in the AFC, just kind of looking at who's lost to who, who's defeated what team and what conference records are because it is all so jumbled. And it looks like a couple of teams are likely to finish 10 and six, nine and seven for that, uh, that wild card spot. All right, let's get to it. Uh, important games, and I guess we'll start uh, on a timeline sort of uh, matter with the Saturday night game. It's in primetime on NFL Network, a 5.30 p.m. L.A. kick, a 7.30 p.m., I should say, local time in Kansas City, meaning it's going to be cold, it's going to be loud. I was about to loud. say, do you have the temperature report yet there, Money? 35. Do you, do you own winter gear? I, I do. Oh, okay. I, I do own winter gear. <laughs> I've done quite a few games at Arrowhead. It's one of my favorite places 
to, uh, to watch football. I absolutely love the fan base. I think it's the best tailgate in all of the NFL. Oh, and uh, And there's just something about that old school bowl. It's just a mass of humanity. It's not tiered. There's not six levels of suites in one end zone. It is just people. A massive amount of people all Good freezing together. Yeah, it's, it really is great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. So I have you coming home happy at, <laughs> with a 25-21 victory at Airhead. Now, I want to point out, we did a confidence index this week. So every game, I'm going to tell you the percent chance that I have of, in this case, the Chargers winning. And this game, 53.2% confidence. So that means that's not incredibly strong. Like there's one game this week that's up to about 80%. So this one is not the strongest in the confidence pick, but it is one of those games where the, you know, you see the 25, 21, it's higher scoring and four points is pretty nice in the model. Yeah, when you look, you know, through the Chargers season, right, you'll hear, oh, the, all these what-ifs, you know, block field goal <laughs> against Denver, right. uh, missed field goal, game winner against Miami, and then you see the Chiefs, who beat them by two touchdowns. That, that to me, that is one of their most, I, I think, just hemming and hawing what could have been games. Because for whatever reason, Rivers was wildly inaccurate throwing the football in the first half. He had three picks in the first quarter. Yeah, it's 24 to 10, but that second touchdown came, or that that last touchdown for Kareem Hunt came in like the final three minutes of the game. So they were down, I think, four in the turnover department, and yet they were still in it because their defense had been so dominant. It was five sacks. I think Melvin Ingram had three of them. So that was a much closer game than maybe than the score you would reflects. think. Yeah, yeah. Well, speak, starting with that defense that you talked about, since week 11, the Chargers defense, number one scoring defense, only 13.3 points per game allowed. And by the way, the Chiefs offense in that same amount of time, those past four games, I'm going to focus a lot on the past four game trends in, in this whole podcast today because that's we, we have enough data now, so that's that's where we should look. And the Chiefs are only averaging 19 points. That's number 21 in the league over that same time period. So in this case, advantage Chargers defense. So with your when you run your simulations, yep. I can't imagine there's a a slot for a, an offensive coordinator variable. Oh, there is. There actually. is. Okay, because I was going to say since Matt Nagy took over, and it's it is a small sample. It's only two games. Two games. And it's against you know it was two one, one team that is a very bad defense and one team that has now you know, managed to slide a little bit in the defensive category in the Jets. So I don't know how you adjust for that. You adjust for things that are different. <laughs> okay. So, for example, Alex Smith has been throwing twice as many 20-plus attempts since Matt Nagy took over. So that deep ball – and by the way, Alex Smith is best at the deep yeah. ball this season, like 125 or more, 133 passer rating, 10 touchdowns, no interception on those deep balls. The problem is like a Casey Hayward problem in this one. It's a matchup problem in this game. So – those deep passes that he's Alex Smith has been great on them and Matt Nagy's been calling them. I just don't know if they'll be as successful in this matchup given the pass rush, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And then on the back end, Casey Hayward, yeah. the, the the ability for the defensive backs to just really cover as well. Twenty plus air yards means time for that route to it, develop. You have to. It, you when, can't it can't happen. Right. right? When just you have think those about two it. guys. And that's a great point that you brought up because it's twenty plus. Air yards. It's right. not 20-plus yards because if you think of yards after the catch, yeah. that 20 yards is a – It could be a quick slant the guy just takes it. No, it's 20-plus air yards, meaning you need time to throw. And Alex Smith didn't have that nope. uh, against the Chargers in the first matchup. It was 
It was a quick, uh, it, it was kind of what had victimized Gus Bradley's defense early. It was a, a quick slant to Tyreek Hill. He got picked up by the linebacker and burned him into the end zone for the touchdown pass. I want to I want to point out here for fantasy purposes, Keenan Allen versus Marcus Peters is going to be really great. Keenan Allen on third down is one of the big difference makers in this game. He's just that's where he's been making his hay. Like the most first down conversions on third down. That's to me, and from a predictive standpoint, that's the most important. Do you get a first down every on third down when you're targeted? The answer for Keenan Allen is yes. Marcus Peters could have something to say about that in terms of you know turnover potential in this case. However, between Rivers being able to throw outside the numbers, just absolutely crushing it over 100 passer rating. Keenan Allen's like ability to make stuff happen. It's a really yeah, math the, term there. The uh, the big thing just. To, to interrupt you there, yep. Cynthia, on third down is look at targets and receptions. Yep. I mean, it's like 88% yep. of his targets he's catching right. on third down for first down. That's why he down. leads the league so, in first Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is so critical, and those are tight windows oftentimes. Um, the interesting thing with Peters is, you know, he's it's just like last week, right? We were looking forward yep. to Keenan Allen versus Josh Norman. Norman doesn't travel, right. so we barely saw that. Same thing with Peters. He's a left cornerback. He doesn't travel. But for whatever reason, you think back a couple, what was last year, first game, first half, Keenan Allen loved the matchup, wanted it, yep. and just abused him in that first half. So we'll see whether or not they go I back know, that's, to that. I know, and that's what I'm yeah. really looking for. And also, by the way, Darrell Rivas, I take a look, took a look at him from last game. You know, there's a good stat. He allowed, like, one reception for six yards, but the problem is, is he didn't really get targeted. They, they couldn't get that offense going, so right. it's misleading. I'm not going to say Darrell Rivas is bad, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say he's back either. I'm going to say he's probably, like, a, a, about a, a – Medium Darrell Rivas. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, we'll we'll certainly see the way that Philip yep. Rivers has been throwing it around since they've adjusted the offense outside to be the a numbers. little bit more of a passing-based offense. I want to see the outside-the-number yeah. stuff. That's what I'm looking for. And we, you know what we saw just quickly, last thing, is this game against the Redskins last week was the first time that we really saw additional attention to Keenan Allen. Yep. Regularly bracketed, safety help, and look what happened. Tyrell Williams, Hunter Henry, both huge games. Um, so we'll see what path the Chiefs' defense and I get a lot care. of questions. I would play Kareem Hunt, and obviously you're yeah. always playing Travis Kelsey, and yes, you're playing Tyreek Hill. No doubt. Uh, I, so yes. I think it's going to be an offensive yes, yes, game. Yes, 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 yes. All right. <laughs> Patriots, Steelers, winner. By the way, wait. Did you pick for the Chargers? Are you two touchdowns? Uh, no, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tight. Um, I, you know what? Part of me thinks it's going to be tight, and then part of me just kind of thinks back to how what an anomaly it was that Phillip Rivers threw those three interceptions, and yet right. the defense was still really good. The offensive line for the Chiefs was leaky, uh, and then just eventually the defense got worn down, and Kareem took him down late. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, I've watched the team just dominate opponents. I mean, absolutely wreck opponents defensively for the last six, seven weeks, and I, and I don't think that's – maybe I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I don't know. I'm not even going to pick the game. <laughs> I right, leave fine. that to you, Cynthia. Patriots, Steelers, winner, score. All right, I have the New England Patriots coming out on top, 28-27. This is my highest-scoring game of the entire week, and I have about a 55% confidence that the Patriots come out on top in Pittsburgh. I'm with you. Uh, I, I just I feel like Tom Brady's played way too well this year to have three in a row, three hiccups in a row. And for whatever reason, maybe it's a level of competition, maybe it's complacency because they ran away with the division so easily. Uh, it's hard to imagine that, but... For whatever reason, he really plays well against the Steelers. This is one of those sort of Ravens v. Steelers, Patriots right. v. Steelers, Patriots v. Colts games for Tom Brady, um, and I expect him to excel. The question whenever you see, like, play like we saw 0% conversion rate on third down in that Miami game from the Patriots, Crazy. it's like, is it an anomaly or did they find the blueprint? And, you know, are we seeing something that's 
you know, okay, this is how you shut New England down, or this is how you make Tom Brady not work. And the answer is that that was an anomaly. No it's, question. It's not. It, there's no blueprint. I mean, there's a blueprint to win in every game, and everyone can lose. It's the National Football League. It's not. You know, they're not playing a high school team. They're playing other professional teams. So, in my opinion. The thing that's more interesting here is looking at what their defenses have given up over the past four games. Pittsburgh has given up 13 touchdowns on defense in the past four games. The, what's keeping them in there is that they've, you know, 14 I mean, the Ravens put offense. up a 30 spot on them. The Ravens <laughs> right. put a 30 spot on the Steelers. Right. And then if you look at the past four games for New England, only five touchdowns allowed. Not that you can't kick field goals, but look at that disparity. That's huge. 13 versus five, 13 things that are worth six points, five things that are worth six points. Like you can do the math very easily there. So the improvement on defense over the past four games for the Patriots, Miami game aside, don't let that recency bias get you. That's kind of what drives this number for me. Yeah, and I would say the, the other thing for the, the, page, the Patriots is people that may be just looking at a, let's say they're looking at that little preview box and yep. how the defense stacks up against the offense. You just mentioned it. I, I think they're. I think they're either twenty. They're they're the bottom five. Don't look at this. The exactly. Whole year. The past look defense, at the past four it, games. Yeah, it's exactly. like two hundred yards better a game. It's crazy <laughs> the difference. Right. I mean, from allowing forty-two points to the Chiefs in the opening week, and that opening four-game stretch for them was crazy. I mean, they were the worst pass defense, dead last in the league, and that has changed completely. And granted, that some of that has to do with opponents. You know, they played Denver. Um, now Jay Cutler had a good game against them, but they played Oakland, who played so bad against them in mm-hmm. Mexico City. So just kind of remember, remember. Don't, don't look at season-long stats no, at this point. do uh, not. Pay attention because this Here, is a defense that had a lot of new pieces that have come together now. Here are other things not to overthink. One, Kenny Britt, do not play him in fantasy <laughs> this week. No. Stop it. Like, yes. I, I can't, no. Two, James White got, like, almost no run in this past game. Do not think you are smarter than Bill Belichick. He's not going to tell you which running back he's going to use. He's going to use whichever one he thinks gives him the best opportunity. Josh McDaniels knows this. In my opinion, probably Rex Burkhead just from an efficiency standpoint. If he's on my fantasy team, I'm playing him. But don't get too tricky. Brandon Cooks, he is going to be your number one receiver. And that guy, Rob Gronkowski, he's back. Turns out. Turns out he's yeah. pretty good, too. Takes the snap, bounces to the pocket, as he throws left, touchdown! Yeah! Rob Gronkowski, in his second face. of the day! In your face! And New Whoa. England increases its lead. And Brady gets drilled, it gets right up, it says keep bringing it. Touchdown and a half per game. <laughs> that's, that's where it's going. And, and right. you know what? We, ha- we actually have a precedent for this. Because I remember last year in fantasy, people freaking out and picking up Michael Floyd playing him in the postseason. Stop it. Do not. It, do and not. there was nothing there. So, no. you know, appreciate that Kenny Britt had 1,000 yards last year, fell out in Cleveland. I guess Bill Belichick always likes to, to needle Cleveland any chance he can get. Right. Maybe. You know what? Maybe you do play Kenny Britt. Maybe. <laughs> Just now thinking as to how diabolical Bill Belichick is to pick up Kenny Britt from a 0-13 and 13 team and then get him out there. Be like, see, I can little, make him work. Yeah, a little bit too important of a game. Okay. Uh, Steelers win. They clinch the number one seed. That's kind of... You know, and this, I guess, me taking the whole psychological approach. Not like the, the Patriots would want to win any less. But if the Steelers win this game, they're the number one seed. Number one seed in the AFC goes to the Super Bowl since the Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Tom Brady era almost every time. Mm-hmm. Would, you know, that this is not one of those hiccup conferences because of the quarterbacks. And when they get home field and they have the best team, they go. This is a game where we see more – you know, I tell you all the time about how the Patriots, like, run the same play in the in the fourth quarter when they're up or when they're playing with the lead. You don't see anything new. This is a game where they're not going to, you know, shut down the playbook. They're going to sh- they're gonna open it up. We're going to see more playoff style. Like, 
this is this could be a game where I look to when I'm doing playoff modeling to say what did they do against the Steelers because this is something where they could absolutely show us more of their playbook and what they've got in their arsenal. And by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster, you're totally playing him. You are absolutely. I mean, look, Lev Bell, Antonio Brown. Which no one's going to be better? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, you're playing. You're, you're playing. You're playing all literally all of them. Yeah. So I would probably stay away from Steelers defense, depending on your scoring is going, because the corners are very vulnerable. And I think, you know, Tom Brady and Brandon Cooks could have a resurgence in this one. So I would say a little little sleeper nugget, uh, if you want to do the uh, the daily thing. Jesse James has, yes. has gotten about five, six targets because there is so much attention on Antonio Brown. Right. I mean, two, always two, sometimes three. And, and Ben's now looking at the middle of the field a whole lot more. And don't get cute week. with any of the other receivers, in my opinion. No. Like the Eli Rogers, like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not where I'm going this game. Yeah, although it's funny. Like, if you look. Because now they'll have a great game. If, well, if you like, look historically right? at, uh, at, at Patriots-Steelers matchups, they do. Like, it is always that third receiver that ends up having the big game. I don't know what it is that Bill Belichick does defensively, but that's that's one of the interesting little nuggets that you see come out of all their matchups. I looked into it, and that's why my Juju recommendation becomes stronger because it's like which routes were run by that third receiver, and Juju's been running those. So it's the Martavis Bryant okay. like wild card thing. So to me, it's the Smith Smith Schuster, which is really hard to say if you say it too much. Smith Schuster, Smith Schuster, Smith Schuster. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that Juju works. There's Juju nobody works. else named Juju. It's in the so league, much fun, so right? So. Good. He runs those routes that have been successful in the past. All right, I'm with you. I take the Patriots in this as well as the uh, conference stays up for grabs for at least another week. Let's go Dolphins-Bills. We mentioned it. Elimination game. Winner score. Oh, So in a 52% confidence index, I have Miami coming out on top in Buffalo 21-20. Okay, and that's, that's a tough one because of the Tyrod Taylor right. thing. It's Thursday it's when Thursday. we're doing this podcast. We are, I am assuming there is no Tyrod Taylor available in this game. But if so, there is. But if there is, it could shift it. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way. If Tyrod goes, I think the Bills win. Right. Uh, but I don't I don't think he's going to go. But that does, again, it's Thursday. So I'm, Our colleague Adam Rank, uh, who is a bit of a Jay Cutler historian, made oh a great Lord. point. He said, anytime Jay has one of these great games, especially in prime time, it is a guarantee that it is followed up by a four-interception game. It is, <laughs> if you want to look into history for something that is subjective, but at the very least... So you, you're saying to stay woke on the Buffalo defense? I would, yes. I would say that anytime Cutler has one of these games like he did against the Patriots on national television, it is almost always backed up by, uh, by a true stinker. Yeah, well, they do have the worst third-down defense on the season, 33%. And by the way, it's 30 0.2% over the past four games. I will say on the positive note, they are tied for the 11th most touchdowns in the past four games. That's kind of surprising considering we, how we saw them start where they could not seem to reach the end zone. And Kenyon Drake. That's it, man. It's the emergence yep. of Drake. Yep. He's the difference maker. It's he, it's, and it's really him making people miss tackles. It's not him getting help from his O-line. In fact, he's been given less than he has the most rushing attempts with less than one yard before contact. Over the past four weeks, what? And it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's so hard for him. Like that, like that's just mean. Like it's really mean. But Damian Williams could be back, so he could vulture some of his volume. Just something to something to keep in mind. How uh, how much did it change, or, or can you share how much it changed with Tyrod Taylor? Because I would assume right now you have it Miami twenty one twenty. It's like 21-20 the other way. That's what I figured. So pressure, it would flip to Bills. Yeah, so pressure – it does flip to Bills, but but for the same score, just flip, right. just reverse who's winning. So pressure's the key on this one. The Bills defense only has 21 sacks in the season. That's the third fewest. Um, Buffalo pressuring opposing quarterbacks at the second lowest rate in the league, so that could be good for the – that could bust the Jay Cutler for interception narrative. But when they do get good pressure, 
They have a sub 60 passer rating allowed. That's a top five rate. It's just they can't get consistent pressure. However, the Dolphins O-line, they could give up some consistent pressure. It is, uh, at the moment we are doing this podcast, 17 degrees uh, in Buffalo. The Sunday projection is somewhere in the mid-20s. Uh, we we do know the story of warm weather teams heading to. Well, we also saw what happened when cold, cold weather, weather teams go down to Miami. Right. I mean, it wasn't a particularly hot game, but you know sometimes that can mess things sure. up. So Dolphins going north uh, to to likely sub freezing temperatures. I want to give a shout out to though a uh, a real dirt ball and Xavier okay. Howard. Last game, Tom Brady to Brandon Cooks zero passer rating allowed. That's pretty cool. Like that was a yeah. pretty cool thing to see. So and the the problem with this game though is that doesn't help you so much because they don't throw the ball a lot in Buffalo and they're if it's if it's not Tyrod LaShawn Taylor McCoy man right so it's Let's LaShawn go. McCoy and 45% of their offensive touches 32% of their total scrimmage yards both good for third in the NFL I mean Buffalo th- tied for third fewest touchdowns the past four games but it's okay because they're eating up the entire clock running it with LaShawn McCoy it's it's a shady McCoy freezing cold ice block game I'm with you I go uh I go Dolphins no Tyrod Bills Tyrod that's uh, pretty. If you are for looking for for a one week only option, maybe may, may I interest you in a little bit of a Jakeem Grant. Okay. Because if you're looking for a moonshot, I don't. I'm listen. I'm not suggesting. It is the semifinals in most fantasy leagues. I'm, it's it's a one week only option. Gotcha. It's a one. You're doing week, a weekly. Right. If you're there doing you a one week only Which option, you need, you need a moonshot every week. You need a moonshot. Yes. So you saw them run. I mean, look, those screens were yeah. what they were crushing uh, the Patriots with. And by the way. The Dolphins kind of patrioted the Patriots. They they kept running the same play. They're like, they're okay. This one's working. Let's one more screen. You you want to yeah. throw a screen again? Okay, let's let's keep it's going. Like screen I was thing. watching the USC Trojans again. It was just bubble screen. You out there? Bubbles. I love the word bubble screen. I don't know why. But anyways, so like to me, that's who executes that play most often. So if you're looking for one, you, that could be that could be a little we'll a take little it. sleeper for you. All right, to the NFC, uh, and we will get to the rest of the games in the NFC a little bit later, but let's just kind of focus on playoff implication games and playoff odds. We sort of did a little bit of a preview here with how upset the Vikings fans were with you <laughs> that they were at 99.9% while the Eagles were at 100. Um, but let's uh, let's walk through this and, and how likely your projections you think hold or if we have, again, those elimination games this week. We have some great elimination games this week, but right now the odds go – Eagles, Vikings, Saints, Rams, Panthers, Seahawks in, and just looking on the outside are Falcons, Cowboys, Lions, Packers. That's the order right now. And as I'm looking, I've got, uh, you have the Seahawks at 65% to make the playoffs, the Falcons at 48%, so a pretty healthy gap between six and seven the in your Seahawks playoff projections. The Seahawks and the Rams game this weekend is going to be that one that really figured, like, it, it's not technically going to, I think there's still a way that it could technically not, uh, clinch the division, but it is it figures to be the division clinching game, which will shift those projection odds probably pretty interestingly. Especially if the Rams win. If the Rams win. And then if, by the way, Seattle faces Dallas next week, and if they were to lose both of those games, then that then then that would be a, a dip, a big dip for the Seahawks in terms of playoff projection. I want to point out one thing about the Rams, though, that has pushed them from they're technically the third, the three seed currently, and they're the four in my model, and they're probably they're the four by you know they're under ninety percent. Like that's not a bad percent. They're gonna make the playoffs, whatever. But um, they're they have had the worst third down percentage over the past four weeks. Okay. On offense, surprising on offense. On offense. 
Well, that's something, you know. It, it, it's a head scratcher. And we'll get head scratcher. Ah, we'll get to uh, what Sean McVay had to say because I think, you know, he's, he, he's very good at messaging. You can tell he practices his messaging with the media. <laughs> uh, I imagine he looks in a mirror and, and you know, look, goes, next question. And he, but because he, he worded <laughs> the, uh, as he's perfectly sculpting that beard of his to make sure every <laughs> single hair is in place. But I, I, I think he, the way he worded the, we need to get Todd Gurley more involved was a very subtle way of saying, with these final few games, I'm much more comfortable relying on Todd Gurley than I am Jared Goff. We're going to talk about Todd, yes. Todd Gurley here in a second so. in this game. But I want to point out before, so Cowboys, Lions, Packers, they're all three sub-10 in terms of playoff projections right now. Part of that is because only the Eagles have clinched, so Cowboys don't get the divisional potential to boost their odds in any sort of meaningful way, obviously. Um, but... The scenarios there are really interesting with Aaron Rodgers coming back, Detroit having, quote, easy schedule, and then the Cowboys actually, I'll tell you exactly what they need to get into the playoffs. But it's those are three that I think they could be – one of those three is likely my wild card. Yeah. Which is it's, Well, and like you said, over the next few weeks, I mean, you have the Cowboys and the Seahawks next week. So even if the Seahawks win, uh, they will then take over the division because they'll have swept the Rams. They'll both yep. have – equal nine and five records, but then the very next week, one of those two teams is getting eliminated from the playoffs, yep. it, it, assuming the Cowboys defeat the Raiders, and who knows if that happens, the Cowboys may find themselves out after this week. So right. there is your uh, your playoff picture. Again, the uh, the AFC South is, is the biggest kind of interesting one because that is all going to be sorted out in the last two weeks right, of the season. I mean, like Atlanta only has South. That's all they have left. left. <laughs> they have the Bucks, and then they get – the, the Panthers, Bucks, the Panthers the, and the Saints. Yeah, Saints. So that's yep. all. It's not even worth getting into because it is going to come down to those final two weeks and those Correct. matchups. All right, to the important games. And we begin with the aforementioned Rams and Seahawks. And you said you had some things to get to with Todd Gurley. Before you do that, though, Cynthia, go winner score. I have the Rams winning 27-24. I have 55% Big confidence, confidence in there. that one, relatively speaking, compared to the other ones. But... In the past four games, I told you, the worst third down offense, 26%. Yikes. That's not very Ram-like considering what we saw. However, I want to talk about Todd Gurley in this matchup. Bobby Wagner. So as of the time, it's third. It's Thursday morning. We're taping this right now. Bobby Wagner hasn't practiced. It, what, the last thing we've heard Pete Carroll say is that Bobby Wagner is a game-time decision. I want to point out last week when the Seahawks played the Jags, in, in it, Bobby Wagner left in the third quarter with a hamstring injury. When he exited, they had allowed three points. The next two plays, two touchdowns. Bang, yeah. Please let this quarter end. Boy, oh boy, this has been crazy. It started out to be crazy good for the Seahawks. Now it's turned crazy bad for them. As Jacksonville, with eye backs, turns, hands to Fournette, and he's in. Touchdown, Jacksonville. From a yard out. And Jacksonville suddenly has scored two big touchdowns. In less than a minute. He's that good. Yeah. He's, he is he's, that, he's in the abuse. conversation for the defensive MVP. At, as he should be. Yeah. He very well should be. But the, the point I want to make here is that run stopping and, you know, tackles after a running back catches a pass, those are two things that Todd Curley we've seen do very well this season. So without Bobby Wagner, Todd Gurley, I mean. Who had a great game last week. Easily. Unlimited touches, too. I think he only had, like, 19 touches right. and still just had a monster of a game against the Eagles. Easily the biggest difference maker, and especially in that third down 
um, in those third down situations where they're going to need to stay on the field, that's what the biggest difference maker has been so far in this model. Um, as for Seattle and Russell Wilson, I want to talk about pressure, 151 passing attempts under pressure. That's 32 more than the next closest quarterback. (laughs) I mean, they've allowed 40 sacks on Russell Wilson. That's number three. That's just like something we mentioned coming into the season that, you know, when you pay a quarterback that much, when you pay defensive Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, those safeties that much money, it's got to come from somewhere. And typically it comes from the offensive line, Katie, and it's on display this season. They're fortunate to have someone like Russell that can run around and still make plays. He can run around, he can pass the ball, but I want to show what happened ever since our defense really got hurt. So I looked at the first like weeks one through 10, Russell Wilson's completion percentage. So you have to remember pressure, not all pressures created equal. If your defense is playing more poorly, you're going to be in less favorable situations and be on the like you're going to be playing from behind, right? So, first ten weeks of the season, top five or better completion percentage and passer rating under pressure for Russell for Russell Wilson in the four games, so eleven through fourteen weeks, eleven through fourteen, bottom of the league, like bottom five to seven in the league in completion percentage and passer rating under pressure. That has coincided from their defense going from number thirteen to number three to number 23 in passing yards per game allowed, and number five to number 15 in points per game allowed. So they're putting him in horrible situations. He's in less favorable passing situations and getting that the pressure becomes even more, like, wonky. I'll use that as a uh, wonky as a jump-off point here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard far too little uh, about Doug Baldwin late in that game against the Jags. It was a uh, second down pass. He turned down the first down. He caught the ball on the left sideline with – it was a nine-yard reception. He could have lowered his shoulder, taken on the defensive back one-on-one, gotten the first down. Instead, it becomes – I think it was third and two, holding penalty. Yep. Incomplete pass, becomes like a fourth and 19 or something like that, and uh, and they lose the game. And he is such a cerebral player. He's a physical receiver, and the fact that he turned that first down down is what ultimately ended the game, and as you just mentioned – put Russell Wilson in a bad spot with that fourth and whatever it was. It was like fourth and 20 because of the holding penalty. Listen, Russell Wilson leads the NFL in passer rating, passing yards, passing touchdown in the fourth quarter in this season. I mean, it's like he's reaching historical levels um, in the fourth quarter. So you're totally right about that. However, I have Doug Baldwin redeeming himself in this one. Doug Baldwin, one touchdown, and Jimmy Graham, the other touchdown. The linebackers against Jimmy Graham in this game will be an interesting one. Good fantasy day for Graham. I uh, I have very few statistics or analytics like to it. back me up on this, which is uh, which which makes this far less credible than your projection. Uh, I just think back to the Rams' performance in Minnesota in that hostile atmosphere. Yep. I'm not saying the Seahawks' defense is as good as the, the Vikings' uh, defense. What I am saying is, I still am looking for that last little thing from Jared Goff, um, and he's been great on the road. They've mm-hmm. won road games this season, but the one that really jumps out to me is uh, is that game in Minnesota where he was really rattled and that place was loud and that is what it's going to be like in Seattle. But you're getting Robert Woods back, so that's, yeah. that's a plus Huge in this plus. One, in Although, this you know, even and that's this is where you credit Jared Goff, even without him. I mean, Cooper yep. Cup, 100 yep. yards, touchdown. Uh, Josh Reynolds became a big part of the passing attack. Um, and love that Robert Woods is coming back for Goff, and that certainly will embolden him. But I'm just – I'm thinking more – Minnesota and what I that looked like. I thought you were totally going to say something about Russell Wilson um, rushing, and I have 40 pr- rushing yards projected for Wilson. So I look, I did a little digging, and okay. I found out that the Rams allow – they're the most generous on a yards-per-carry basis to rush it when opposing teams rush up the middle. 
and that's where see, and that's where Russell Wilson's had the majority of his success. Yeah. So I thought you were going to say the Russell Wilson rushing in the middle, and I was ready for you with that stat. And, but and that's you know that's just football. Not that not that you're pointing out something obvious. That's not what I'm saying. But that's the only way you can attack Aaron right. Donald because he's right. always coming upfield to disrupt the pocket and he's attack the going passer. To crush you. So you better run right, right at him. And right. that's why the and that's where the Rams have been vulnerable. And that's what could end up biting them in the playoffs because it tends to be more run based, more defense, more premium on turnovers. 4.8 yards per carry allowed in the middle is, yeah, that's a lot. That's a ton. Like, that's a ton. Usually, like, a normal number is as, like, 3.8. <laughs> and we're talking about their quarterback hitting those. That's how bad right. the running game is for Seattle. Right. All right. We move on to, oh, I'm going to take the Seahawks. You're uh, taking the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going to take the Seahawks. All I need right. to see it from Goff. Uh, Packers-Panthers. The return of Rodgers. The Winner, return score. of Aaron Rodgers. My model still says Carolina comes out on uh, top. See, the Viking fan's going to love you now. Oh, I know. Well, listen, I'm just pandering to that. That's really all I'm doing. There you go. Just that's kidding. all. <laughs> I have Carolina coming out on top 25-21. Now, in fairness, Aaron Rodgers will be cleared on Friday, and there will be a potential shift in the final score depending on the final injury report overall, mostly what's going on in their O-line. Is this a Rodgers projection? This is a Rodgers projection. Okay. Yeah, you have a Rodgers projection. Um, the confidence without Rodgers was up to 68%, but once – Rodgers would push in. That went down to like 53.3%. Okay. <laughs> so not as confident, yeah. but. <laughs> considerably different. <laughs> considerably different. I want to point out that Green Bay has the head-to-head over Seattle and Dallas, but they've lost it. Atlanta, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Detroit. So that's where their playoff projections are. That's why the number is so low, even with Aaron Rodgers coming back. If you have Jordy Nelson, you're playing him in fantasy this week. This game is going to be about whose defensive backs have the better game. Devin Funches is a good pick in fantasy as well from Carolina. The 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 past four games, Carolina running backs, including Cam, have averaged the most yards before contact in the league. That's not going to happen as easily in this game because Dom Capers is not going to let that happen. For right. I mean, Green Bay Packers, they're you target them in the secondary. You don't target them rushing the ball up the gut, Jonathan Stewart, that kind of thing. You do passes to, to get past right. them so that's kind of one of the things that and the, the thing about when you have two teams with pass heavy projections where the the greater amount of um the yards and the points come from pa- like pass projections that means your turnover and interception rate become more important which is that's why the confidence um, index went down with brett hunley there was more turnovers projected with aaron Rodgers, less turnovers projected but cam cam has the ability to turn the ball over he can fumble he can throw an interception so that's that's where the difference that's where the confidence difference got got kind of crushed yeah and those just just kind of getting back to your head-to-heads those are important they're super important um but remember if there's a three-way tie they get thrown out it immediately goes to conference record so and that's why if you're trying to figure out why are the bills at seven and six in the AFC wild card instead of the Chargers being ahead at because it goes to conference record. Yep. And so when you look at the Packers and you see, you know, what kind of hole is this that they need to dig out of, you know, their conference record is five and four. The Falcons is seven and two. Yep. So that's the kind of ground they need to make up. Not only do they need to win out, right. but they need a lot of help. The, and the Packers cannot make it if they don't win this game. Right. Well, like, they have to win out. They there's, have to win out. No but question. Like, they let's go, go one game at a time. Right. They have to win. They absolutely have to win this one right here. Yeah. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is plenty capable of doing that. At least and, we have a good storyline. Yes. Right? Like, it's, it's fun that way. Exactly. But you still take <laughs> the Panthers. And how about Jonathan Stewart, who very quietly, not so quietly last week with the three touchdowns. Right. But every week. He has either had a touchdown, has rushed for 100 yards. And I that, think that's that one's red that's flag the big for one. me. 
That's well, a that's red flag. Red flag, for Jonathan Stewart this John, week. Red flag. I, I'm not saying you don't play him, but I'm saying you temper your ex. You're not getting three touchdowns. You're, oh gosh, you're no. not getting. I don't even think you're getting 100 yards. I think that the way the Green Bay defense works and how they've stopped the run. You have to remember how they were playing differently with Brett Hundley. It was just a little bit different. Remember, when you're back with Aaron Rodgers, you get a chance to have your offense be playing from ahead. Then you can potentially run the ball if you think that's going to happen, right? So I do have them playing from behind in this game, but I don't think it's going to be because Jonathan Stewart crushes the end zone three times. I okay. think I think it's Dom Capers' defensive front. That's not how that works. Well, uh, congratulations, Cynthia. You have crushed the Packer fans' dreams of Aaron Rodgers coming back in. I'm just really trying to make Minnesota happy. That you, well, I think you did that <laughs> with this. Uh, I am going to take the Packers, though, because right. I said back the pack. I, I back Aaron Rodgers. I pick him to yeah. win every single game in which he plays, uh, and I will, I will go down with that ship gladly. Uh, it's a quarterback league. He's the best quarterback. I don't care if he's got six weeks of rust. I look at it as six <laughs> weeks of uh, not taking hits in that pocket. <laughs> Feeling a lot better. All right, to the Cowboys and the Raiders, the Sunday night football game. Winner score. I have Dallas coming out on top 24-22 with a 70% confidence that the Dallas Cowboys will win. It's a high okay. confidence compared to the other ones we've seen. Yeah, see, I thought 55 was high. 69 is considerably high. Yeah, yes. 69 is considerably high. But – I want to point out here that Dallas – okay, so to make it to the playoffs, right. Dallas needs Green Bay and Detroit to, to each lose at least one. They need Atlanta to lose two of their three, and they need to win out. They get Zeke back next week when they face Seattle, and then they get Philadelphia after that. So it's not an easy path for the Cowboys, okay. but it is still possible. And just quickly, Green Bay at Carolina, Minnesota at home, and then at Detroit. So they need them to well, lose so at least one of them. Technically, I mean – the chances of Detroit and Green Bay ending in a tie in Week 17 is like three percent. So I just throw the ties out. Exactly. So throw I'll throw the ties out. out. So one of those things is going to happen, right? Uh, with certainty, Green Bay and De in Detroit. In so Detroit losing yes. one. So that happens with certainty. You're good there. I'm good there. It's um, Atlanta losing two of their three. That's tricky. They're in Tampa this week, and then, then they, they finish with Carolina either the Saints and, and the yes, and Saints and Panthers. Yep, and then but them winning out. So again, that's what the Cowboys need. So if you're a Cowboys fan, you are rooting for a winning out. You're rooting for a Green Bay and Detroit to go down, and you're you're rooting for Atlanta to lose two of three, which is entirely possible. Yep. Uh, maybe not this week with the the Bucks, who right. Julio Jones made a mockery of the first time they played. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I mean it's it's as much of a long shot as it sounds. It's yeah. it's 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 like a ten percent shot, yeah. which is how which is where it ended up. All right, so <laughs> why uh, why Cowboys over the Raiders? Oakland's just not generating any turnovers. That's yeah, the, the secondary's been terrible. The defense has been below average. Don't let anyone fool you and tell you that the combination of Smith and Morris has been, quote, more productive than Zeke. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's I guess, technically true. Like Statistically. 4.3 yards per carry versus 4.1 yards yeah. per carry of them combined. And, yes, Smith has had four touchdowns in you know since week 12, which is really awesome if you were lucky enough to pick him as your, you know, rolling of the dice in terms of which fantasy back to play in the Between Dallas the backfield. Right. But Zeke is special because Zeke changes defenses. And I don't think the combination of uh, Smith and Morris, you, the, the way that you'd have to quantify that is their ability to, like, break tackles. Or it's, there's a multiple things that would have to factor into that. So it's, it's not the same, but they're effective. No, I mean, and they're remember, the, come a, on now. a lot of that, there, there's two things in that statistic that's beyond misleading. One, an entire game against the Broncos. Throw it out. The Zeke game against the Broncos changed his season stats yep. dramatically because yep. it was like 12 carries for eight yards or something like that. Two, Rod Smith had one huge carry last week, just a monster whatever it was, 85-yard touchdown carry that now skews his stats. 
And if you watch the Cowboy games, they're happy to give it to them. Yeah. Hey, you want you want to try to jam Alfred Morris for four yards a carry? Take it. Right. We're doubling Dez. Uh, Dak is not going to beat us with his legs, and that's and, and like you said, that's what's so misleading about it. Right. When Ezekiel Elliott's out there, they have to completely it's reconfigure their defense. Nobody creates more first downs off of first down, off of second down, off of third down. So total first yeah. downs creative that like moving the chains or whatever. Like that's what Zeke Elliott does. So just 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 when dismiss you're having, that. When you're Sorry, having, Alfred. Appreciate we that. We like you. you. Yeah. You we're want not people like to anti not you, but you. I'm not, not just saying. Yeah. Right. So dramatically different. Both quarterbacks have been up and down this season. You know, like. 58 passer rating out of Dak in weeks 10 through 12 versus 119 in the past two weeks. Derek Carr, 112 passer rating in wins and then 68 in loss. Like, we've seen up and down play from both. So that's why the impact of Sean Lee being back for that defensive, like, he's their quarterback of the defense. I, I, these are other words that he's I don't great. like, right? Quarterback of the defense, right? 1.4 fewer yards per play when Sean Lee is on the field. That's all you need to know. Right there. Yeah, Boom. and I mean, with Jamarcus Lawrence is still dominant. You saw that last week. Right. And what that pass rush can do. The Oakland offensive line has not just been leaky, it's been bad. Um, Donald Penn got paid, and I don't know what happened to him, but he went from being a pretty darn good tackle to a liability. Newhouse is, I, I don't know why you signed Newhouse in the offseason when he was out of the rotation for the Giants, who had the worst offensive line in the league. So you have two tackles that are liabilities. Derek Carr has no time to pass. When he does pass, Amari Cooper can't catch the ball. I mean, Jared Cook is like the only viable option this season in that passing offense. It's just been a bad year. You know, it's been a bad year for the Raiders. I knew you were going to go there. Finally, my anticipation what? pays off that you were going to talk about Oakland Raiders offensive line. So yeah. I am coming back at you and telling you that Zach Martin, the guard, the right guard for the Cowboys, number one or number two, depends on how you want to measure it. There's, I measure it with that. Voice. Okay, we'll just kind of give a little love to Good it. with that. We're the, like a very interior of that friendly. line, yeah. We're the interior of that friendly. line is so good. Um, I'm with you. I'll take the Cowboys. The Raiders, man, if you watch that game against the Chiefs, you, you hate saying it, but they're a very emotional bunch. Uh, they gave up. I mean, they just totally gave up in that game. You could see coming out of the half just yeah. how flat they were. Um, and that's, you know, it's the risky run when you have a team that is comprised of personalities that are that emotional. Michael Crabtree, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, that, those are highly charged, emotionally charged guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing is, and people say hindsight, but this is something that was talked about at the start of the season. They won so many close games last year. Weird ending games, missed field goals, botched snaps, late turnovers. That Their, their season last year was just full of them. And yep. typically, there's that correction, and I think we're seeing that correction this season. Agreed. All right, I'm with you. I take the Cowboys. Let's get to that Falcons-Buccaneers game. Uh, winner and score. With 66% confidence, I have the Atlanta Falcons coming out on top 24-21. Okay, why? Okay, so Tampa Bay. Season-long third-down defense has been the worst. And in the past four games, it's gotten even worse. So it went from 48.3 all the way to 54%, both good for 32 on the other side, Atlanta, best third down offense for the season, 46%, which has ballooned to 56% in the past four. So it's kind of this great alignment of weakness versus strength, and it's gotten even more fortified in the past four weeks. Okay. That's the biggest difference maker. So Julio Jones, interesting. Past two games, 27 passer rating with, oh, I guess Matthew, Matt Ryan, not Matthew Ryan. Matt Ryan passer I'm sure rating. he'd be happy to go by uh, Matthew. Matthew Ryan, right. Uh, 27 passer rating to Julio Jones in the past two games however week 12 against tampa bay <laughs> that was that 253 yarder two touchdowns you know this is a season high so i do think this is a quote get right game for julio jones and matt ryan so that's a huge difference maker in this one for me too and also just the bucks defense in general 
I could name a lot of things that they're last or second to yeah. last in sacks, mostly passing, passing game, related yards per play. Yeah. So third down, just it's it's yeah, a these are, bad year for a team that a lot of people had high expectations on. I thought that defense was going to be good. I was impressed with players at each level of that defense. They've been banged up. They've been injured again to kind of I guess beat the same drum I did for the Raiders super emotional team yep. uh you don't like to see that right when things are going bad because you watch it unravel and that's what we've seen here in in tampa it has really come apart and also i want to point out give some shine to the atlanta defense by the way one of my favorite players keanu neal he's you just, do love keanu I neal do love loved keanu him last neal. year routinely beat the drum i said beat the drum again oh. routinely uh well i routinely do it it's used a... use the megaphone to uh, sing his praises that's right so keanu neal and then like jamal adams is starting to be in that same category the cam chancellor i always love that cam chancellor like defensive back mostly because i can see them and i can see right. their impact it's very easy for me to measure anyways past five games atlanta's defense 17.8 points per game allowed 100 in rush yards 3.2 sacks per game that's been a big improvement from the beginning of the season However, one thing that could be something Dallas Cowboy fans could be happy about because they want Atlanta to lose two of three, right, is that Atlanta is one of two games with a negative turnover differential. Minus one of two five. teams, okay. Yep. The other one is your favorite, the Titans. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right, that, that, that is one that is – you can just see it. And we'll go through those – we'll go through right. that Titans-Niners game here in a minute. Um, with the Falcons, again, this is just matchup-based for me. I yep. see the Bucks defense, which is terrible, specifically against the pass, a Falcons offense that has a ton of weapons in the pass, can open things up with two running backs. Um, it's a bad matchup for the Bucks. It's a great one for the Falcons. They'll win. It'll come down to can they beat the Saints in New Orleans and the Panthers at home as to whether or not they can finish 10-6 and six and have that great NFC conference record uh to push them into the playoffs through a tiebreaker or if they have a hiccup and they lose right. both of them finish nine and seven and they're out and always check out atlanta's center he shows us kind of like how to do it how to do it how to do it okay so it's been it's been really interesting all year to watch him he's going to be a factor in this one i think i hope gerald mccoy plays for tampa bay I, you know he was on and off yeah. injury reports i'm not 100 percent sure but this is going to be one where you're going to see that impact alex mack versus gerald mccoy all right i'm with you i'll take the falcons Let's get to what we are calling Your Team Matters, Cynthia. Games that do not have particularly the impact that the uh, the aforementioned AFC and NFC playoff highlighted contests. We already kind of managed to do a deep dive on, but still important games no less. And because Your Team Matters, you Minnesota Viking fans, we're going to start with you. <laughs> uh, it's Vikings v. Bengals, winner and score. With an 86% confidence that's a lot. That is considerable. <laughs> yeah. I have Minnesota coming out on top, 27-16. So 86% confidence is that Minnesota will win. So stop being mean to me, Minnesota Vikings fans. And I want to talk about Case Keenum, who was sacked six times. That's the most in a single game Ouch. this season. Yep, but he only had one of their offensive linemen playing their actual position. They were missing three of their five starters. So don't worry, it's not going to continue. The matchup I'm watching in this one is Xavier Rhodes versus A.J. Green. This is super fun. Ready? A.J. Green is two inches taller, so he's 6'3 and 5'8 versus uh, Xavier Rhodes, who's 6'1 and a half. But Rhodes is vert, six inches more. Yeah. 34 and a half versus 40. That's and, and Rhodes ridiculous. is probably 
Uh, I mean, save like Richard Sherman, he's probably the tallest dominant corner. Right. I mean, you don't see six three corners out there. Just ask Reggie McKenzie. He's tried to <laughs> sign him, and it's a disaster. Um, but that's that is a great matchup because you it's actually do matchup. have a corner with some serious height to try to contain height one of the tall and, receivers. And a forty point yeah, five <laughs> inch vert. That's insane. All right, so Vikings. 86%. Get off my Viking back. fans. There we go. <laughs> Bears Lions, uh, the Saturday matinee. Oh, the matinee for this matinee. There at Ford Field. And a 65% confidence that the Detroit Lions will win. The projected score is 22-18. Not super high scoring in this one. Past four games, Detroit's defense has allowed almost 30 points per game. 29.8. That's that that isn't good. That can that's the 28th ranked scoring defense versus the 29th scoring offense. Something's got to give. Well, here's some good things if you like Mitchell Trubisky, which I do. He's been improving. Last game against Cincinnati, he was 6 of 8 under pressure. That's 75%. That's pretty good. Um, it's actually very good. And he's been also increasing the volume and efficiency of intermediate passes. So Yeah, and it was interesting this last week. His kind of He was leaning on Dontrell Inman since yeah. they acquired him. Zero targets, yet still managed to throw it around. He was doing a better job of finding the open receiver and not locking on, you know. And then there was a lot more Tariq Cohen. Um, yep. You know, that's a benefit for the Bears offense. But We're not saying they take Trubisky as a sleeper in nope. fantasy. But I am saying Adam Shaheen, the tight end, could there be a fantasy sleeper Turn, too. And that's the, you, you tend to yeah. see that. Rookies kind of develop some sort of chemistry. Um, He's a big guy, too, yes. talking about So, height. And it seems like that's. His, I mean, it's clearly his favorite red zone target, but they got a little something Another going on Another one there. of my least favorite football terms. It's a safety blanket. There you go. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. All right, Eagles-Giants. <laughs> All right, Eagles coming out on top. 26-17. I actually have 75.6, so 76% confidence that the Eagles will win this one. I want to talk about Nick Foles. Please. Okay. He's so, a little important, isn't he? Nick Foles' career. Eagles, Rams, Eagles. You know how many times he's been with Peterson? Dose. Yeah. Eagles before, Eagles again. Sometimes I think maybe people don't haven't. Noticed that before? Anyways, whatever. So You're saying whole playbook available. Peterson's yes, totally comfortable with him. Nick right. Foles knows what he wants to do. We're going to talk do. about RPOs. You know RPOs? Run pass option. You know, Let's you go. You know who I love when they talk about RPOs? Uh, Tony Romo. Robert Griffin III, because he's kind of the Stop guy it. that got it all going. Stop it. What? Well, he did. Well, but when they talk about it. Oh, I Tony Romo is like, this is a run pass option. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so nobody has played more RPO, has taken more snaps in RPO than the if you look at the Philadelphia offense as a whole. In other words, they've been crafting situations for Carson Wentz to succeed, which means they should be able to also craft situations for Nick Foles to succeed. RPOs, that's where he succeeded in 2013 when he played before in his best career season. So I don't think the drop-off is going to be as dramatic as people think. Now, do I think he's an MVP caliber player? I'm not going that far. But I do think that this is not a situation where Eagles' hopes are lost at all. In fact, I think Nick Foles can get you there. I would say a uh, confidence builder for the Eagles. He faces two of the worst defenses in the NFL in back-to-back weeks. Giants, worst defense. Raiders, bottom five defense. To try to get comfortable, yeah. settle in after the emotional loss of, of Carson Wentz and an MVP candidate and feeling like you were the best team. And by the way, the Ertz, Ertz should be back. He's yes. cleared. And so that already is, right? I, I, I think so. I mean, last I read, yes. yes. Safety blanket. Oh, God. Ravens-Browns. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Thought we had it last week. Thought we had our one win <laughs> in a 16-game season. But alas, rally by Brett Hundley and the Packers. Huh? Are you calling for it now? I mean, I don't. If they don't win this one, it's 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 0 and 16. I love the stat, by the way. Hugh Jackson's the first head coach in NFL history to start back-to-back seasons 0 and 13. You think? Because coaches don't keep their jobs after they have back-to-back 0 and 13 seasons. Of course, he's the only one that's ever done that.
What kind of statistic is that? <laughs> it's a silly one. Yes. Uh, I have Baltimore coming out on top 26-17, 77% win confidence in general for the Ravens this week. Here are some fun things about the Browns, that if you're a Browns fan, here are ways to be happy. Okay. One, Josh Gordon, My you goodness. adjust him for a for a, a catchable pass. It's so. crazy how good he is. Uh-huh. I mean, crazy yeah. how good six foot three, 230 pounds of 4'3 is. It's insane to watch the difference that he makes. So I love I like when you make small numbers into big statements. So I'm going to do that right here because okay. you know I kind of hate it, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> On those catchable passes, they've been like under. It's still in the single digits. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. He still has 110 passer rating for his quarterback on that. What? Yeah, it's just watching it. Just yeah. if you watch it, and why would you watch a Browns game? But if you do, it is crazy how good he is. Mm-hmm. Casey Hayward, who's likely going to the Pro Bowl, said he's the best receiver he faced all season. And remember, that was his first game in right. 1,078 days. He said, Amazing. that's the best receiver I've seen all season. And another thing to be happy about is Miles Garrett. He's generating pressure on about 14% of passing snaps, which is really Okay, so elite is 15%. So you have to remember, he's also facing more passes than many of these people who get to play in elite defenses. Like you think, when you, I think of Von Miller. Von Miller used to generate right. uh, pressure on you know 17% of passes, and that was just ridiculous. But he also had DeMarcus Ware helping him. Anyway, so anyway, if you gotcha. think about that, fif- think of 15% as elite. So he's just, he's almost to elite status, right. and he's had to do more snaps. He leads all rookies, though. He's above average in the league, and he's even missed four games, and he's still, like, crushing the sack rate. So, I'm taking the Browns. Do it. I'm, I'm taking do them. It. I'm taking them until the end it. of the year. Okay. Until they win their first game, Love I got to take them. I started right last week. I'm taking them. You got to be right at some point. You know what? I'll qualify it. <laughs> Asterix. If Danny Shelton plays, I'll take the Browns. Okay. If he's healthy and he That's plays, I'll it take is, the Browns. It is, a, it is a, a very keen point. Yes. And Joe Flacco, second lowest average depth of target for any quarterback this season. Let's go, Browns. Come on. Cardinals, Redskins. Cardinals, Redskins. I have Washington coming out on top 24-19 with a 68.7, so 69% confidence that Washington will win. Okay. I go uh, Cardinals. Okay. Why? I'll give it to you real quick. P. Ryan got banged up. Byron Marshall had a hamstring. They were running with LaShun Daniels the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offensive the line. Trent, not the first. That's his father. <laughs> uh, Trent Williams. Inj- well, not injured. Hurt. Brandon Sheriff. Hurt. Morgan Moses injured like that whole team is just actually both teams have a laundry list of injured players um for me the the happy stat if you're a cardinals fan they're actually the fourth best blitzing team in terms of passer rating allowed blitz the heck out of people and but and it works yeah patrick peterson thank you very much for that helps a little bit yeah all right it's a good stat happy stat for them okay uh jet saints winner score I have New Orleans coming out on top, 30-17. You know my model loves to give out 30s. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So it's given a 30 here. 83% win confidence in this one. Uh, it's I just a quarterback problem. BP. Bryce Petty. Right. There you BP. go. Take the same. British Petroleum. One Tech. thing to look at, though, yes. my Jamal Adams. I'm going to point out his Cam Chancellery stat. Like, I love those. Like I said. Sure. Ken O'Neill, Jamal Adams, Cam Chancellor. These are my favorites. You can see what they do. They line up close to the line of scrimmage, and they stop runs. That's That's how you can watch them. They do it top five rate in the league. Jamal Adams is already a top five rate in terms of percentage of run snaps that he stops in the league. He's a rookie. Ridiculous. This could be the defensive rookie of the year game with Marshawn Lattimore versus Jamal Adams. Oh, yeah. If Jamal Adams were on a team that, like. That we're winning, yeah. That we're winning, I think you'd see it more. But it's who's going to be the rookie, the defensive rookie of the year? To me, it's between those two. Yeah. It's and I think Lattimore a decided advantage just because of how good that Saints defense has been and what a big part. Of that resurgence, it, will, it, it could it's be a, it could uh, slow 
you know, the, the Camara is going to be back. Yeah. We, we presume. Uh, he's only carrying the balls for seven yards every attempt. Right, right. And the Ingram that. duo. It just could limit yeah. the a little bit. Texans-Jags. Jacksonville, 28. Texans, 17. 77% confidence that the Jags will take this one. And that will uh, that will make it uh, that they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They win this one, I believe. I think if they – I want to say if they win, eh, maybe they're not guaranteed. I think they are, though. I do believe uh, winning in for the yep. Jags. I think that is the playoff scenario for them. So, uh, Hopkins is even more impressive this year considering the Texas O-line. You ready for this? I'm ready. They're actually – so, mo- most games, they're the worst. Worse than the, than, than the other one we talked about with Big Blue, with then the Giants. What? So, if you look at what's happened so, – But you have to adjust for – right, so there, there's some adjustments there. When Deshaun Watson was run, it was running the ball all over the place and scrambling. It did it masked it a little bit. Right. So the Texans, it's between those two for number okay. number one and number two, uh, in terms of most leaky O lines. Insane. So that makes DeAndre Hopkins even more. I mean, even more impressive. Yeah. All I say to that is, what a bummer that Deshaun Watson got hurt. Uh, all right. We have something to look forward to next year. Yeah. If I'm a Texans fan, that makes me happy. Final. Uh, Titans, 49ers. You're not going to like this one. I'll like it. <laughs> if Tennessee coming out on top 21-20. I'm taking 20, Jimmy G. 56%. I love me some Jimmy Garoppolo, man. Oh, I love Jimmy Garoppolo, love. too. He's super fun to watch. Um, Ruben Foster, though, is the one I want to talk about. He's that, nasty. by the way, were he not injured, that's your defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, but unfortunately. But I think six games Well, he and also, he missed a bunch of games, and he is on a team that just kind of like Jamal Adams, like, right. you know, when you don't win a lot, then it's hard to be the D-Roy. Anyways, Ruben Foster, 7.6 tackles per game. That's number one amongst rookies. Top seven in run stuff amongst linebackers in the league. It's going to be a good test with the Titans. I mean, you've got some good running backs on that team, but I think that you're going to see how nasty Ruben Foster is in this game. Yeah. He's awesome. What is uh, – I don't have it in front of me. What are, Mar- Mariota's stats are crazy. It's like 10 touchdowns, 14 picks. Yeah. I mean, and it's really bad. You know who uh, You know who has the second fewest touchdowns allowed in the past four games? Both of these teams. Oh, yeah. Both of these teams. Yeah, They're tied with six. And, and a lot of it's, you know, that they played the Bears and the Texans' offenses, uh, the 49ers' defense. But right. since Ruben Foster has come back – he is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of those linebackers that seemingly makes every play in every he's part really of the field. Uh, I would take. I'll take the 49ers there. However, we want to score that. All right, let's go to your confidence index. All your right, three predictions that you have the most confidence in. So over the last four games, the Patriots' defense has only allowed under 14 points, 13.8, and Pittsburgh's defense allowed 26 points, so 25.8. So you wouldn't think that this was going to be some crazy high-scoring game, but you think again. I have a really high-scoring game in this one. I have New England coming out on top, 28-27. But that's like a, you know, remember when we'd have games where you thought there was going to be 65 points? Like, this is it. Okay, so not confidence in the Pats winning, confidence in a high-scoring game. Confidence that it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Okay, what else? Another one in a high-scoring game, the Jags and the Texans. Think that you think of the Jags only allowing 17 points a game and Houston about 24. And then you're like, yeah, it's just going to be kind of, you know, the Jags defense just dominating this one and not much else going on. That's not what my model says. 28-17, obviously in favor of Jacksonville. But that's a lot more points than I would close my eyes and imagine. Yeah, and by the way, how good is the Jags defense? Uh, They're good. How about this little nugget from our our stat crew here at NFL Network and NFL.com? Uh, they are going to do something uh, that not even the 85 Bears or 2,000 Ravens managed to do. Uh, lead the NFL in scoring defense, sacks, and takeaways in the same season. Does that make uh, them good? That is what they are on pace <laughs> to awesome. do. Uh, that, that is how you overcome Blake Bortles as your quarterback, who, by the way, 
has settled into a little bit of a groove here these last three weeks and is playing some pretty good football. Not the sleeper I would pick. <laughs> yeah, although he's a top five fantasy quarterback the last three weeks. That's yeah. how good he has been. And you mentioned this Texans defense has not been good. That O-line's been take, leaky. Can you take it someone else about Case Keenum? Anyone? Had I played Blake Bortles last week instead of Cam Newton, I would have won a fantasy league. He was my bye week sub. Had I just inserted him instead of Cam, I would have won. I lost by six points. Cam I played had Derek like 14 Carr points. and managed to not lose. Yeah. Anyways. That's from, anyway, nobody cares about our nobody fantasy Nobody cares teams. about our fantasy Final teams. confidence at index. Um, obviously, if you have an 86% chance of winning per the model, if you in 86% of the simulations you're winning, you are going to be my survivor pick of the week. Minnesota. There you go. Pandering to those fans. Yes, you are. 27 can't let it 16. affect you that much. I'm not. It's just the, it, they were literally the highest win percentage on the entire week. So. I just gave them the Jay Cutler. Don't care. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. Can you grow his neck beard for next week? No. Yeah. No? Okay. I can grow Kyle Orton's neck beard for next week. <laughs> Thank you, all of you who listen, who download, who subscribe. Uh, if you don't mind sharing the podcast on Twitter and Facebook, we appreciate you even that much more because we are new our first season. Love to get the word out. If you haven't yet, subscribing is easy. You do it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, whatever your podcast provider of preference happens to be. Because uh, we do need you to help us grow this thing as it is our first season. And you can help us do that by writing reviews on iTunes. This one, Cynthia, is a five-star review from S -S 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 Samantha Fox. S. Fox with two X's, 51. Do you know who Samantha Fox is? No. Oh, see, that's the separation in age because I'm so old. You're not Samantha old. Fox. Uh, I want to have some fun. Dun, bum, ba, dun, dun, dun. You remember that? That's <laughs> no, early 80s. Keep going, keep going. It's a big deal. <laughs> Nah, that's where I'm going to cut it off, actually. Lyrics get a little sideways from there. Great podcast, exclamation point. It's really the only way I can find Cynthia's information. I wish I could hear a little more fantasy football projections. Okay, we'll take that to, to heart. But the final scores do the trick. Keep up the good work, exclamation point. By the way, money's pretty good, too, period. <laughs> I didn't get an exclamation point, and I got a pretty good, which I appreciate. Thank you, sir, 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 Samantha Fox. Big thank you to all of you who listen, share, download our producer, Johnny G, for helping us put it all together. We'll be back again next week uh, with some dramatically different projections and information because yes. of these head-to-heads we have this week. Uh, so that is that. That is that. Week 15. <laughs> Time for me to wrap this podcast up. Uh, in the books. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>